This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, I'm honored to have a good friend on the episode with us. Cody Goff is uh, someone that I've known for a long time. He's an avid coos deer hunter uh, and uh, likes long-range glassing and, and lives in Arizona I've uh, been good friends with him and, and his hunting partner, Cody Nelson, for a long time. Uh, Cody is uh, sells radios, and uh, today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about radios and hunting and and uh, go all the way down to the equipment and, uh, you know, some of the tactics that you can use uh, with a radio. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, absolutely. And and um Cody, one of the things I want to start off with um uh here after you give a brief introduction of yourself uh and you know the company you work for, et cetera, and what what you're doing these days. Um I also want to talk to you in in two thousand thirteen, December, you um uh had a coos deer tag in uh unit twenty three in Arizona and harvested an awesome buck and so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business, uh, and then uh, we'll dive into uh, your coos deer hunt, and I'll ask you some questions about that. Uh, that sounds great. Thanks. Yeah, name's Cody Goff, and I, I work with a company called Aircom. Uh, we do national two-way communications, so that includes two-way radios, satellite phones, uh, you name it. Uh, but that's really our specialty is two-way, and we really – provide for people across the entire country. And Cody, um, with this job, you're traveling quite a bit. Uh, uh, part of your business is you meet with a lot of mining companies and, and, and people like that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your travels and, and uh, where, where uh, this uh, business takes you? No, absolutely. I mean, we are really, really well-known, Aircom, for for providing radio communications and two-way communications for mines. Uh, we handle the operations for companies like Freeport McMarin, uh, now companies like Midway Gold, Barrick Gold, uh, KGMH International. So we travel anywhere, you know, across Arizona, into New Mexico, all over Texas, Oklahoma, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, uh, Utah, and so we also uh, do quite a bit of work with a lot of guys in the oil and gas industry. So it takes me as far east as West Virginia and Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio. So we get to work with a lot of really cool different industries and, and meet a lot of different people. So it's pretty exciting, actually. That's awesome. And and just to be clear, though, I mean you sell. Uh, big big orders, but you can also sell uh, one, onesies and twosies uh, to uh, people that are in the outdoor industry or hunters or fishermen or what have you. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, it's funny working with big construction companies, oil and gas, mining. A lot of these guys are all obviously hunters and outdoors people, and so I run into a lot of those people that 
I end up talking to just on the side that want two or four or six radios just for them and their buddies for hunting purposes. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something we can handle from you need two radios down to you need a, a massive communication system. Right on. And we'll get into some of that later. Uh, Cody, I want to talk to you about in 2013, uh, you harvested an awesome buck in unit 23. And uh, some years before that, we've been on a lot of hunts together. And, and uh, Dar, Dar and I were there uh, on, uh, you shot a buck in 22. And um, you've shot bucks in Mexico. And, and um, uh, coos deer is one of your passions. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the hunt in 2013, um, and, you know, not only about the hunt, but what it meant to you to, um, finally harvest a buck, you know, 110 inches or better and, uh, kind of the quest that, uh, that you had been on. No, absolutely. You know, that, that hunt was awesome because, you know, not just my own personal quest, but guys like Cody Nelson and Aaron Bittner and yourself having guys involved that, I just really enjoy spending time with and that we all share that kind of same passion, uh, all being guys that have been hunting coos deer now for, gosh, for myself, 25 years probably. Uh, you know, it's always that goal to, to, to go out and, and keep trying to push yourself. And this hunt really was kind of the epitome of that. And, you know, I had a lot of good friends out helping me. We got to all spend that time together, but but really push ourselves. So, you know, as we all know, getting those December tags has become a lot more difficult. And, uh, you know, that was my first December tag in, I think, about almost 10 years. So the, excite the excitement, even right from the beginning of drawing that and to have that kind of an opportunity, uh, just really considered myself blessed. But, uh, you know, we spent my gosh, I don't even know how many days, probably more than 20 days scouting prior to that hunt. And uh, we're really lucky enough to find a couple of great pockets where the rut was really, really strong. We were seeing a lot of different bugs coming in and out. We were able to cover a lot of different areas. And part of that, because of radios and two-way radio communication, we were able to be pretty spread out and still keep in touch with what was going on throughout the day but you know I think probably the most awesome part for me with that specific hunt was that you know we we hunted nine straight days uh and it really took everything we had physically and mentally <laughs> yeah. to keep pushing ourselves and, and and in part of it really to have uh the patience you know I think anybody that hunts coos deer realizes that patience is important if you're trying to harvest a buck that's over a hundred inches, but to even hit the one ten mark, I just I I couldn't have been more excited and, and not not just proud, but I mean to have had good close runs involved with the experience, uh the highs, the lows. Um it was just by far the most amazing hunt for Kuzner I've been on. That that's awesome. Yeah, I know uh, having known you for so long i know how much it means to you um did you kill your buck before or after christmas and you mentioned rutting uh tell me about uh how the rut progressed on that hunt um and what you saw as far as activity 
Yeah, you know, the the interesting part with that unit, there's so much varying terrain, and you can hunt everything from low desert up to high pines. And so one thing with, with Unit 23, the rut really varies depending where you're at, and it never seems to be the same year after year. But we actually harvested that deer right before Christmas. Um, mostly what I found with guys that know the, the unit well and spend a lot of time in there, the rut that year in 2013 really was better earlier than it was later. And we got, I think, really, really lucky. But, but part of it was hard work, too, right, putting the time in to find these pockets of does. And uh, we just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, and I think I think it was December 23rd was the day that we actually uh, found that specific buck and, and, and went after him. That's awesome. And he's uh, grosses right out 110 inches. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Three three by three by three configuration. Does he have an extra as well? Uh, well, he's got one little tip starting to go on an extra on his left side. But yeah, he's a three by three front. Right on. And um, Cody, today we're going to talk about radios and radios and hunting. And there there are some listeners um, that maybe their state doesn't allow uh, two way communication. And if that's the case, that's fine. They can either, you know, turn the episode off right now or they can continue to listen. But the reality is uh, a lot of states do allow radio communication. And uh, then there's some out there that, you know, from an ethical standpoint or or what have you, they may have, uh, you know, uh, they're against using radios and hunting. And there are some people like that. And that's fine. And and for those people, maybe this episode isn't for them. But uh, for those of us that uh, from time to time do use radios, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a quick overview of, of, of radios and uh, what you do with satellite phones, cell boosters, you know, spot, all of that different stuff. And, uh, you know, technology is always changing. And, you know, maybe the way that our grandfathers hunted you know, that didn't have radios and maybe, you know, some people are holding on to those traditions, that's fine. And there may be hunts that, you know, you want to harvest a Boone and Crockett animal uh, or or a, a animal that's uh, eligible for Pope and Young and you don't want to use two-way communication. I think that's great. And, and I think uh, the integrity level out there of people to say, you know, uh, I use radios to hunt, but you know this particular buck I want to kill, and if 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 I har- if I'm fortunate to harvest them, uh, I want to put them in the record book. Uh, uh, then that's great. Um, but talk to me a little bit about uh, what services you provide and how they benefit the hunters today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, we kind of pride ourselves in that we're we're more than just a two-way radio communications company, but you know, we carry predominantly we're 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 a provider for commercial and professional grade radios. So they're not gonna be the, the little Motorola talk about you go buy at Walmart. Um, we cover everything from again two way radios, uh satellite phones. We are a global star provider and one of the primary providers in the southwest. 
we do cell boosters. So what everybody would know as Wilson Electronics is now WeBoost. We carry the entire WeBoost line and uh, Smooth Talker. Uh, we even provide the spot if guys are looking for the spot because really the spot is part of Global Star and their network. Um, so along the lines of hunters, you know, those are going to be the, really the primary uh, communication uh, technology that we provide and that they can take advantage of. Cody, when it comes to two-way radio communication between hunters, uh, are there specific models that maybe you would recommend uh, for hunters to use to be able to communicate back and forth with each other? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's certain models that really make more sense for hunters. We all know as hunters, we we love our gear, but we're we're pretty hard on it, and we put it to the test. And uh, I think an important thing to remember with radios or satellite phones, whatever you're using, these are electronics, and their number one biggest weakness tends to be water. Uh, we probably do more repairs on two-way radios because of water damage than anything. So, you know, making sure you've got the right model of radio and really kind of stepping up into a minimum of a commercial-grade radio really makes a big difference. Some of the examples I would give would be uh, the Motorola CP200, which is now really the CP200D. Cody, can you tell me the difference between VHS or VHF and UHF radios? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing, even when I really got into the industry, I always knew there was a difference, but I didn't even know what they really meant. So VHF literally stands for very high frequency. UHF stands for ultra high frequency. So people will always ask me, what what is the difference? What's better? Well, the answer is really it depends. When you look at VHF, VHF is really better in situations in application where you need longer transmission. Okay, so it's going to give you a further line of sight. So if you're more concerned about being able to talk 10 or 15 miles apart, uh, the biggest issue will still be line of sight. VHF is going to be your better option. On UHF, it's going to penetrate and bounce better the signal itself. So when you look really at hunting out here more in the West, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, California, anything like that, we're going to have canyons with a lot of protrusions, rock, things in the way, thicker country up in the trees. If you want a better, stronger penetrating signal, then you're going to go with UHF. And, uh, you know, for myself, I've, I, I really ran VHF originally for a long time, and I've really found for my own needs and how we hunt, UHF is the better option. Okay. And then tell me the difference between analog versus digital. Absolutely. So the technology that everybody's been used to up to this point is, is analog radio. Um, what's happened now is really with the improvements of technology and in, in digital signaling, we're now seeing a lot of the radios come out that have digital capability. Um, with digital, you know, you're going to look at probably improving at least about 20% more of your coverage and your range on the same exact frequency 
as you would running it in analog. It's a cleaner signal. It's going to have less uh, RF interference in digital. It's going to give you a crisper uh, transmission. Uh, one of the other nice things in, in digital, let's say you have four guys all out trying to stay in communication with each other. If you go to try to talk on a digital radio and someone else is already on it, it's not going to let you interrupt that transmission. It's going to actually give you a beep, and you'll know somebody else is actually trying to communicate. Uh, so just one of really the many advantages of starting to look at, at digital-capable technology. What are some of the models uh, that that you would recommend these days that are uh, digital? Yeah, in, in the digital, probably the biggest ones we do, uh, certainly the Motorola CP200D comes to mind first. Uh, the CP200's been around forever. It's a time-tested uh, design. Uh, now the D, uh, they make in different options. You can have analog only if you don't want to take advantage of, of digital. You can have digital models, which are still capable of running in analog. So you can run channel one analog, channel two digital, channel three analog, channel four digital, and you can mix that up. Uh, the other one I really, really like uh, testing and actually I'm using myself is the Vertex EVX 531. Uh, there's also with Titan, uh, another manufacturer we carry, they actually have a brand new HD coming out. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to, to test that and see uh, how well it holds up. And from a standpoint from, uh, you know, an outdoorsman's uh, fisherman hunter's standpoint, uh, I assume that there's different tiers of radios um, that, that people can buy? Yeah, a absolutely. And when, when you start looking at the tiers of radios, let's take uh, like a radio that you get in the, the Rhino, right, where you have a GPS and a combined radio. It can still be a nice little radio. The problem is you're, you're running on what's called GMRS frequencies. So these are frequencies that the FCC has set aside for basically non-commercial use, general public use. Anybody can have those frequencies. A lot of times I've had guys say, oh, well, we have our own frequencies on these rhinos. And I say, uh, no, you don't, because you, you really can't program those that way. You can program a certain range of given frequencies but you're not really able to use something that no one else has access to. Um, so when you look at different tiers of radios, part of that tiering is going to be in, in the programming capability of a radio, whether today it's analog or it's actually digital capable. And you're going to start looking at things that are, are, are really important, I think, from hunter's aspect or outdoors person's aspect, when you start looking at the ratings on these radios, uh, a very key figure I would look at for anybody using an outdoor use is an IP57 rating. And what that IP57 rating means, you're going to have better seals for dust prevention and water prevention entering inside uh, the unit itself. Uh, typically that rating, and they vary a little bit by manufacturer, but how they rate that is roughly 30 minutes in a bucket of water uh, and not allowing moisture to penetrate. 
And I think that's extremely important as I know you can attest, you and I have had many a rainy day together out in the field. Yeah. Um, and you got to, you know, you got to protect these electronics and uh, making sure they have that type of a rating and that the seals are proper uh, certainly falls into the, the tearing and the quality. So, and then obviously within the price range, I think radios are no different than any of the other hunting gear or outdoor gear, fly fishing gear you buy. You're typically going to get what you pay for in quality. And, and a lot of times that quality is what's on the inside that you can't see. And the quality of the connectors and the quality of the of the soldering that's used in the wiring. So, uh, but we try to make sure we carry, you know, really a, a wide range of product that can meet anybody's needs. And Cody, uh, just in general, prices of radios from from low tier to high tier. I mean, what are we talking like? Hundred dollars to five thousand dollars, or two hundred dollars to five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, when, when you're gonna really get into a what I would consider a, a true commercial grade radio, you're really gonna be somewhere starting in, in the lower end of, of two hundred dollars per radio or per unit, uh, and you can range, you know, depending how technical you want to get. Uh, certain radios have keypads or limited keypads. Uh, not necessarily something completely necessary for our outdoor use, but if you are uh, that technical and, and, and want to have readouts, you know, you could certainly get up into, you know, $500 a radio. But, sure. But I also don't think that's necessary to have a quality outdoor, you know, radio that can take a beating. In your mind, what are the reasons to use radios for hunting? Well, that's a great question, Jay. I mean, I, I, for myself, and I can say from hunting with you and, and us going into some pretty vast wilderness areas, first and foremost, it just comes down to safety. You know, and I'll focus specifically on hunting in Arizona. It's very common for us all to get, you know, spread out five miles, ten miles apart. Uh, and sometimes we're off into wilderness areas where, where there's really no cell service and there's really no other, you know, solid way for us to stay in communication and know everybody's okay. So safety always really is a, is a primary use for two-way radios. I think if you're hunting in bigger parties of people, which I think has become more common these days, uh, where you've got three or four guys out hunting together, just being able to coordinate where you're at, uh, where you're heading, so people are aware of your location. Uh, and again, that, that, that ties into safety, but it's still that peace of mind of knowing where everybody's at. Well, and I think another point uh, to make there is, like you said, it seems like hunting's becoming more of a communal thing. And, you know, you usually head out with, you know, two or three buddies, or maybe it's just one, but you know, throughout the day, uh, you know, we've been on the end of some pretty good banter, you know, uh, <laughs> back and forth of, of conversations and, you know, Nelly, what are you doing over there? And, you know, you know, just stuff that uh, makes it fun throughout the day to be able to communicate with your buddy. And yeah, sure, we're going to have some people listen to this episode and say, oh, I don't need to communicate with anybody. And I go out there and hunt on my own. And that's fine. That, that Absolutely. People are, you can do whatever they want. But 
I mean, I can say in the times that I use radios, uh, communicating with my buddies um, often is, is, is pretty cool. And not only that, from a strategy standpoint, you know, Dar and I on the radio a lot of times, uh, you know, discussing, okay, what are we going to do this afternoon? Where do you think we ought to be set up? You know, all, all the strategic stuff, um, you know, is, is make, makes the whole hunt, uh, you know, to me, that much more enjoyable. Yeah, I, and I agree. I mean, I think anybody that's hunted coos deer, and frankly, in, in different areas of New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, you might even spend very, very long periods of time glassing from a high point, even for elk. And, you know, it can get a little monotonous and a little uh, hard to sometimes keep the eyes peeled, right? So being able to have that that occasional uh, joke flying out around there keeps it a little more entertaining and, and joyful. Um, but really from a strategic point, I think that's a great point is, and I know you and I, Dar and Nelson have all experienced that together, really trying to coordinate where we're trying to get a hunter into a specific position, uh, really can make it a lot easier. Uh, not not just, you know, uh, for the advantage, but I think part of it too is is if you're out there assisting other hunters, trying to make sure they're in a safe position, right? You know, you start going down in a stock and everything suddenly changes, right? Nothing looks like the same it did 10 minutes ago. And uh, it can be really beneficial to help a guy, you know, put them in the right position and really, I, I think, an important thing, make sure they're they're taking, a, you know, the right shot on an animal and, and giving the animal that type of respect. Uh, well, and, and like you said, too, knowing where other people are and saying, okay, uh, you know, so-and-so is going to take a shot in this direction. Billy, where are you? Make sure, you know, make sure you're in a safe area. Uh, but then from an efficiency standpoint, uh, you know, being a coos deer hunter, hunter and having big, big country and big canyons. And um, let's talk a little bit about using a radio efficiently from my perspective. Uh, and, and we've already gotten past the point of we we use radios to efficiently hunt and, and you know, kill uh, animals. Um, let's look at it from a perspective of efficiency. Sure. I've seen, I've seen people that don't use radios and I have been on hunts where I don't use a radio and let's say I take a shot at an animal. Let's say that I don't make uh, a perfect shot and I have no way of, of knowing whether I hit the animal, didn't hit the animal, where did the animal go? A lot of times in a situation where you have a spotter, and you have someone that you have radio communication with, if you take your shot and let's say the muzzle blast or what have you, you can't see where the animal is, it is very nice to have someone that's watching your back from above and saying, okay, he got up and he moved to the left, uh, he's standing there 40 yards below the saguaro or what have you, and then you can get a second shot, you can be efficient, get the animal down on the ground, and I have found uh, radio communication to to be extremely effective and extremely efficient. And, you know, one would argue that, yes, sometimes it's too easy. Yes. But then there's sometimes that, you know, you got three guys on a radio and you still can't get the deer killed. I mean, so, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's to, to each his own, but 
you know, from an efficiency standpoint, uh, using a radio to, to communicate uh, is is very an efficient tactic, I think. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree, and I've I've had the you know unfortunate experience of of helping spot and, and seeing an animal wounded, right? And really, the hunter himself being in a position where they have no idea where that animal went. You know, they fired the shot. After that first shot's off, they really weren't able to stay behind the scope. They're trying to get back on it, but it's too late. We're in dense, you know, cover in terrain. And I think that plays a big part when you start getting into some of this dense vegetation. And with really today's technology and, and optics and, and ammunition and rifles, you know, it's more common for guys to be taking 500-yard shots across a canyon um, but it also, I think, makes it more susceptible, you know, for some error. So, like you said, having that spotter in place many times, I've seen it really make the difference in being able to still harvest the animal, get a second finishing shot on it, and not, not let that animal suffer. Um, I, I think it's a key benefit um, that's certainly worth taking advantage of. I, I'm not sure it gives us an advantage really over hunting these animals because it's at the end of the day any of us that have we we know how tough these animals really are and, and really how intelligent they are and uh i think sometimes we give human beings too much credit that we're we're smarter than they are well i i yeah i mean you you bring up a good point i think uh for those listeners out there listening one thing that i would say from a tactical standpoint, uh, hunting coos deer, hunting mule deer, hunting elk in open country, uh, one thing I would say is that if you can leave a spotter on the animal while you're making your stock and you can have communication with that spotter, uh, your chances of harvesting that animal go way, way up. And, you know, back to what I was saying about efficiency and, and effectiveness, you know, if our goal as hunters is to uh, enjoy being out in the outdoors and harvesting an animal and harvesting them, you know, uh, uh, effectively and, you know, getting them down on the ground and, you know, a quick, a quick death, then personally, I don't see why radio communication is a problem. Now, I understand uh, you know, from a record book standpoint, I understand that there's regulations uh, that don't allow that, and that's fine. But there are a ton of people that could care less about the record book, and there's a ton of people that, uh, you know, they've shot a 130-inch coos deer with the radio, and they're not going to enter it in the Boone and Crockett anyway. So, sure. um, you know... Uh, the other thing I would say is I've seen with the radio um, using a spotter, if if the spotter is watching the animal and has the ability to tell you stop moving, you know, the animal is looking around, or if the spotter is able to say that, you know, the buck is bedded, you know, go ahead and move and get in position, uh, you know, it just it raises your level of effectiveness way up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even in that moment, right, we've all experienced in that moment, whether you're going to 
let the string loose on the bow or, or, or pull the trigger on the rifle, you know, our heart's racing, there's a lot of adrenaline, and I think it gives you a little bit of a, a little more relaxed feeling and a, and a little more confidence when you're ready to take that shot, knowing those details, knowing, okay, he's bad he's not paying attention, uh, or, hey, to look and quit, you know, don't move, don't move. And, and I think that's key to taking really a more relaxed and focused shot uh, on the animal and giving them that kind of respect. And, and for those that, again, back to the record books, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to make sure if your interests are do lie in, in, in submitting something to the record books, make sure you're familiar with their requirements and what they do not allow. In some cases, they will not allow any sort of electronic communications, uh, as well as some some states. Um, there's not a lot left, but there are states out there, so make sure you do refer to your local game and fish and, and make sure you understand the rules and regulations in the states that you're hunting. Yeah, and I think, too, you, you can hunt with radios, and let's say you find a buck, and you're like, wow, this is a big buck, and man, I would like to harvest that animal, and I, you know, he's big enough that he would go in the record book. Then all you have to do is turn your radio off, turn off, don't have any communication, put it in your backpack, and just hunt the animal and see how it goes. I mean, I've been on hunts where guys say, you know, when I'm guiding or what have you, and they say, look, I'd like to enter this in Pope and Young, and I don't want to have any, you know, uh, two-way communication. It's very simple. Leave the radios, leave the radios, turn them off, uh, uh, you know, leave them in the truck, and, and go hunt. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, you can do both. You can hunt with them, and you can hunt without them, and, and you know, it all depends on uh, the person and the hunter, and everybody's got to make their own decision. Um, Cody, tell me about, uh, we've talked about radios, and uh, tell me about satellite phones, which satellite phone you use, um, and I, I, I am a global star, uh, I've had their service for a long time, and for a while there, uh, you know, I had real good service, and then it seems like my calls were getting dropped all the time, and sure. I, I hear that they've put close to a billion dollars or, or something, some crazy number into their satellites. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, a absolutely. And, and when it comes to satellite phones, we are a global star provider. I don't provide Radium or any of the other competitors. And there's a reason we go with global star. And I'm glad you brought up, there was a period of time there, right, where, where people were having a lot of issues. And, and part of that reason was, some of the older satellites were coming to end of life, right? Those, those satellites actually don't live there forever. Uh, they have only so much fuel and uh, in power within them. So they, they do have a limited life and that's, it doesn't matter if it's Global Star or any of the other providers. Global Star has gone back out now and, and, and invested a billion dollars in their network because they have launched a complete new fleet of satellites. And, it, and really another distinguishing factor to, to think about, uh, especially if you're going to be outdoors, and I don't care if you're just backpacking for a weekend alone into the wilderness, uh, maybe you're out fly fishing alone, to have something to, to make that emergency call. The reality is we're, we're, we're pushing the boundaries further and further into the wildernesses, trying to create a greater adventure, trying to find new places to get away. 
and and you need to be prepared no matter what happens i mean i've had it happen on hunts where we had a, a good friend get hurt right so it's it's critical to me that i have a way to make an emergency call when all else fails and that's one thing a satellite phone can do so again back to global star part of the the key in satellite phones also has to do with their hubs on the planet itself and global star has more hubs where if they have a hub go down they can redirect those signals on the on the earth itself and in, improve and in, in move coverages in emergency situations that other providers cannot the other providers have one centralized location that if it goes down their entire service is down okay and and so back to that period of time yeah, I think a lot of us experienced where all of a sudden these phones weren't working as well. And a big part of that was there it was they were having satellites they were having to bring back down. Uh, they're not allowed to just leave their satellites out there, right? Uh, in the case of these satellite phone providers, so they have to actually, you know, boost these things back through the orbit, uh, back to Earth. And, and so they were down a lot of those satellites. They're back up and running. Uh, I think the great thing now, these phones today are a lot smaller, they're a lot lighter, and we're all looking for ways to, to save weight uh, when we're out in the field. Um, and really, there's just more flexibility in the plans. You can pay as you go with your usage. You have a variety of different monthly or annual plans. Uh, so really, to me, they're, they're more affordable today than ever. Uh, depending on what type of application you're looking at. Um, again, there's also Spot, which is part of Global Star. A lot of people sometimes don't realize that. So with the improvement back in their satellites, your your Spot connections now are even better than they were before, you know, five years ago. So um, there's there's a lot of options out there uh, when, it, when you look at the satellite phones today versus 10 years ago when we all started really looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cody, what about uh, cell phone boosters? Um, you know, I know there's uh, cell phone boosters that you can have in your car. There's cell phone boosters that you can have in your, you know, your home or your cabin. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, the, the efficiency and effectiveness of uh, those cell phone boosters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, one of the biggest misconceptions is that that these cell boosters somehow create a signal, and they actually don't create a signal. They they do exactly what they say. They actually boost a signal. So if you can get a bar, you know, on your phone in the middle of nowhere, if you've got a booster in that vehicle, you can boost the signal and get a call out. And I've I've experienced it. I know I've experienced it with you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in some of the places we venture into, um, and it's always nice being able to not just, you know, for myself with work, I'm kind of always on call, <laughs> yeah, uh, making sure I'm taking care of customers. So it's, you know, it's important to me that I not only get my messages, but I can actually get the call out if I need to. Um, so there's a wide variety today, whether it's just 3G need or you're running 4G LTE. There's a different range of boosters for your vehicles. Uh, if you have a cabin that you hunt from, there's a ton of great options uh, for your home or cabin if you're in a more remote area. 
it can really make the difference and, and, and really work better today uh, with the different changes they've made through the FCC. Um, you're going to have a, quite a bit less interference uh, that you're running into. And uh, you know, people can contact me anytime they have questions on it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, uh, how do the listeners contact you? And, and you're based out of Arizona. You're based out of the Phoenix area, but you, you handle all over the country. Um, tell people how they can get a hold of you, either by email, website, phone number, whatever you want to give out there. Sure. You know, and we, we really see the need out there for, for people in the outdoors to have, you know, options for different two-way communications. Guys can go to uh, outdoor2way.com, uh, and that's with the number two, so outdoor2way.com. And you can get a little more information on some of the uh, equipment that we carry, things that we recommend. Uh, we're actually going to have an area where guys can post and, and kind of blog on their opinions of what they like or what they've tested and used. And uh, you can also always reach me on my cell phone at 602-329-1773. My personal direct email is Cody, C-O-D-Y, at Aircom, A-I-R-C-O-M-M. So that's two M's, dot com. That's awesome, Cody. You know, I've known you for a long time. And uh, other than being an Arizona Wildcat, you're a great guy and a, and a great friend. I had to throw that in there. I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I just want to tell the listeners out there, I've known Cody a long time and uh, hunt together. And uh, uh, I, I know that uh, you can uh, really help some of the listeners out there with their radio and, and satellite phone and different types of communication, cell phone boosters. Um, so if you guys have any needs at all, give Cody a call. Um, he'll treat you right. And uh, I just want to appreciate, I just want to thank you for and appreciate you for being on today, Cody, and shedding some light on two-way communications and and what uh, you provide. And um, uh, you know, it's been fun hunting with you over the years. Look forward to doing it again. And um, congrats on that big coos deer that you shot. Uh, uh, on that uh, December 23 hunt, did you draw any tags this year, or um, uh, what's your status? Well, um, you know, I drew my Arizona antelope last year, so I'm not going to complain I didn't draw antelope this year. Uh, that was well worth the wait. Um, but no elk this year, unfortunately, sitting on 12 points. And uh, just putting in for deer and sheep, so we'll see uh, we'll see how the luck rides. But, yeah, no, it's it's been a pleasure you know, you've been a good friend, and I appreciate you, you know, giving us the opportunity to kind of share this information and hopefully help educate, you know, people out there in the outdoors on the ways uh, that they can be in communication and stay connected. That sounds good, Cody. You take care, and uh, until I see you next time, God bless you, buddy, okay? Hey, God bless you too, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.